God is like? We have had this question asked and answered over and over again in Scripture. Both Pastor Chad and I have preached on this very thing. What is the kingdom of God like? This phrase, the kingdom of God is like, appears 16 times across three of the four Gospels. And while it's obviously important that Jesus tell his followers what the kingdom of God is like, it's as important for us today to try to understand this as well. Because in each instance of this use of this phrase, Jesus is trying to explain to his ragtag band of followers what the kingdom of God is like, knowing it's complicated and that they need a little help. And that hasn't changed for us either. I took a look back at my sermon history this week, and yes, I have preached on this text basically every year. And yes, it was tempting to recycle one of those sermons and read it again to see if any of you actually noticed, but I refrained. In each of these sermons that Pastor Chad and I have preached, we've done our best to add to the list of things that the kingdom of God is like. Because Jesus uses common, easily understood, everyday things, I've added to this list in previous years. So I have said the kingdom of God is like glitter. Do you remember this one? Where like gets everywhere and you keep finding it weeks and weeks and weeks later and you can't get rid of it. Maybe my favorite description of the kingdom of God. It's like a free ice cream party where everybody shows up and you all get ice cream no matter what. Okay, maybe that's my favorite one, actually. I do really love ice cream. The kingdom of God is like kudzu or milfoil or creeping Charlie, right? A weed that takes over everything. Maybe dandelions, because as soon as you pick one, like four more come up and you don't know where they were the day before. And maybe, especially after this week, I'll add the current event of a raccoon climbing the side of a building. Anybody get really excited about that raccoon? Because I stayed up way past my bedtime to see if she made it. That's her on the building. If anybody missed this, you can come talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you all about it. But she just did what raccoons do and climbed. And eventually she climbed up. And eventually she climbed down and then back up again. So this is what raccoons do. They climb. She just did the thing she was meant to do. In Mark's gospel, we hear Jesus use this phrase, the kingdom of God is like, just twice. And both of those are in front of us today. Jesus talks about the mustard seed, which is the one parable for the kingdom that appears in all three synoptic gospels. That is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But before Mark, thanks Nick, it's still up there. Uh, Before Mark gives us that parable, he gives us one that is unique to Mark. Luther Seminary professor of New Testament Matthew Skinner called today's parable the boring parable. This is the parable of the seed that grows on its own. But he also said it's his favorite because for once he understands it. The kingdom of God is like a seed that someone planted and it just grows and we don't know how. That's just what seeds do. And we kind of breeze right by this parable because it's not fancy. It's not complicated. It's kind of boring. 
But isn't that kind of great, actually? The kingdom of God is just a thing that happens. We don't know how. More importantly, we don't need to know how. The Greek word used in this parable, which we translate as this phrase, the earth produces of itself, is automate. Yes, we get our word automatic from this Greek word. Listen to that phrase, the kingdom of God is automatic. It just happens. All on its own. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say we don't have a role to play in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God will come, despite our best efforts to speed it up or help it along or, most often, mess it up. I know we like to think we're helping the kingdom of God, but really we are most often actively working against it. Last week, Pastor Chad reminded us of the exile of Adam and Eve from Eden, and he said that when we have a choice, between submitting to God or exercising our independence on behalf of our own self-interest, we never choose submission. We want an active role. We want to make things happen on their own, on our timeline, the way we want it to be. Sound familiar? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, there should be way more hands than that. Sound familiar, anyone? Yes, there, there, that's... Much more honest, you guys. Scripture is filled with stories of people doing things their own way. Not trusting God fully, not believing the promises they've been giving and trying to make things happen. And usually, this doesn't really work out that well for them, does it? But the kingdom still comes. And then when it does, we don't get to take credit for it. God is doing a thing without us. I don't think we like that idea too much. Today's text from Ezekiel is maybe perfectly paired with this gospel parable because there is no doubt when they're together of who is at work in the world. If I had to narrow the lesson of Ezekiel's reading into four words, it will be, I will do it. Or for clarity's sake, God will do it. Because we like to think we're God a lot. So God will do it. Listen to the words from Ezekiel. I will take a sprig. I will plant it. I will make high things low. I will make low things high. I will make dry things green. I will make green things dry. I will do it. This is all God's work. God says, I will do it. Not you. For all of our striving and trying and working, and needing it to be about us, God is the one doing the planting and the growing. And so it is with the kingdom of God, according to Jesus. This boring parable about a seed that just grows. It's going to do what it's going to do, with or without us. What a simple Promise God is going to do what God is going to do.
And it is only here, after Jesus has said this boring parable, that he continues with the mustard seed comparison, that the kingdom of God, that is a seed that just does its thing with or without us, acts absolutely nothing like we think it will. In fact, it looks like a mustard seed. And Jesus uses sarcasm and hyperbole in this parable. I imagine chuckles as those gathered around him heard it. Mustard? Really? It's just not expected. No one gathered around Jesus as he told this parable thought he was going to compare the kingdom of God to a weed. A weed that seems small and kind of weak in its seed form, but that is invasive and just takes over. One that was likely right underneath the feet of those who were listening to Jesus as he made this very comparison. It just doesn't make sense. Mustard? Really? I picture them saying, I did not see that one coming. And maybe that is the point here. That God's kingdom comes with or without us and we usually don't see it coming. It usually defies our expectations. And when we think the kingdom of God is going to look a certain specific way or be about us in a certain way or even include us or need us to break into the world, when we think it has to be like that, we are going to miss it. Imagine if they were looking for wheat instead of mustard or cedar trees instead of mustard. They'd miss it. I want to point out real quickly that this parable comes right after the more well-known parable about the farmer who throws seeds all over the place, some in rocky soil, some in weedy soil, some in good soil. And so often we hear that parable and we think we need to work at being the right kind of soil. That the point of that one is, oh, I gotta, I gotta be the perfect kind of soil, otherwise God's seed isn't gonna grow, right? The, the seed God planted is not gonna grow. If you're like me, that causes all kinds of anxiety. Am I doing the right thing? Am I being the right kind of person? Am I loving people the right way? And then Jesus says, okay, first of all, calm down. And second of all, yes, The kind of dirt you are does matter. It does. But the kingdom of God is going to come regardless. See, it's not really about you. The kingdom of God is going to come regardless of you and your soil quality, regardless of who is in power, regardless of the mistakes you may make, regardless of where you are looking. The kingdom of God still shows up. And thank goodness God shows up when we least expect God, where we aren't looking. God still shows up. The kingdom of God always comes. God shows up in the refugee seeking asylum in children crying for their parents at detention centers, in a teenage pitcher comforting the friend he just struck out. Did you see that one? Before celebrating his win. 
in a meal dropped off after a week of cancer treatments, in the card that shows up on a death anniversary that was thought forgotten by all your people, in the crowd cheering for a raccoon. Yes, even there, God shows up. In the middle of a pride parade, in operating rooms and birthday parties, in funeral homes and birthing suites, in the water, in the garden, in the bread, in the wine, God shows up. Without our help, without our will, God is not where we expect doing what God is going to do, and we aren't asked to do anything about it. But we can join in. See, Mark's gospel in its entirety reminds us over and over and over again that we have an active role to play in God's kingdom. We cannot ignore that we are called into this partnership with God. We can participate in Christ's activity, in God's work in the world. We can work with God or we can work for ourselves. And if we're really honest, if we mean the words we say in our confession, we often choose working for ourselves. We choose to work against God's kingdom. We often do things that benefit us, that give us more power or more money or more influence, and we ignore those in need. So often we burst onto the scene and think we have all the answers and we know exactly where God is and who God is acting for and what God is about. But today we are reminded in stark clarity and simplicity that is not how God works. God's work in the world over and over again, which we learn throughout scripture and through experience, is always on behalf of those who are excluded, ostracized, oppressed, hurting, and broken. So we can listen and watch and learn and be open and not assume we know where God is, but instead be on the lookout for love and hope and tears and pain and then go there too because that is where God is. Doing what God does. The promise of today's gospel is twofold. God always shows up and we get to join in. Always do we get to join in but on God's terms. If you remember last week, Chad referenced the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and said, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, sell all your stuff. And the guy was like, nah, I'm cool, thanks, and walked away, right? Everybody remember this story? Yes, this is our choice too. We don't have to follow. We don't have to work for God's kingdom. We can believe in God and love God and go through our lives working for ourselves and God will still love you and welcome you to your table and call you beloved. But I actually don't think that's the life we're called to lead. 
We are called to join God at work in the world, in all of those places and more that I listed. God is going to show up whether or not we help him, but we get to help. We get to. And when we go to places of power and influence, we are going to the wrong places. When we go where there is power and money and influence, we're going to the wrong places. I'm repeating it because I want this to break through. Jesus never shows up where we think he's going to be. Jesus always shows up. The kingdom of God always shows up on behalf of those who are on the outside. And that is where we need to go and watch the growth that God is doing all on God's own when we get to help. I, the Lord, have spoken, God says. I will accomplish it. And to that we say, Amen.